Good evening. Good evening. How are we all doing out there in inter internet land? It's another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. We were on a little break there while Doc was gracing, uh, where was it, sir? Intellect. Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad was, and Tobago with his intellect. Go ahead and elaborate on your No problem. Trip. I was there for uh, sports studies and higher education and in disciplinary uh, approach to uh, looking at it. And I was at the University of West Indies, St. Augustine campus. Great uh, conference. A lot of people there exchanged some information and context with the group from South Africa as well as a gentleman from Lebanon. We're already working on a collaboration for a paper that I plan to present here. Texas Southern University for an international conference that we're having this summer. So uh, just doing a lot of work. The actual abstract, if you would, or title of the um, presentation I made was an explanatory analysis of HBCUs and the Caribbean universities, athletic programs, a special review of the University of the Virgin Islands, which is the lone HBCU in the Caribbean, if you would, the only HBCU outside of the continental U.S., the University of Puerto Rico, Mayagas campus, and the University of West Indies, Mona, athletic programs, as well as St. Augustine. The Mona campus is in Jamaica, and St. Augustine is in Trinidad, and they also have one in Barbados. So it's a lively conference, a lot of good information. Made a contact with a uh, civil medalist uh, that actually ran track in undergrad at A&M and came back and won, ran for Jamaica. Very talented lady. And she got it done, and she actually won a silver medal in the Atlanta Olympics, uh, just in terms of a little history history there. And that is Grace Jackson uh, behind Flojo, who won the gold medal at the time. So uh, fascinating uh, information, a lot of connection between people in the area, HBCUs. There was one professor that's a psychology professor that actually did her undergraduate at Spelman. So all of them were really interested in the information I provided, and I was quite happy to be able to do it. I have to give a special shout out to a Dr. Carter, Akilah Carter, U of H graduate that ran track there. Uh, Cougar, very proud of what she does. She's a professor of sports management in, at Texas A&M University, uh, doing uh, sociology work. Very sharp young lady, as well as Singer, uh, John Singer, also a professor. They actually have a program where they do study abroad, and they took uh, students over there. So. I had to uh, participate. I got a chance to kind of participate with them, and they allowed me to uh, partake in everything. And I did my part, representing Texas Southern University and uh, Prairie View A&M University as a graduate. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank Let's you. get right into it. Um, it's Thursday. We've been away for a while. We're going to talk about recent events. I'm not sure when my colleagues are will be available to uh, for the next podcast. It's Sunday too soon. Super Bowl Sunday, y'all yeah. gonna be yeah. big game Sunday at too soon. Yeah, yep. Hate to say that, but what you, you know. doing, sir? Uh, I don't even want you to answer that question. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> you know my road habits. But uh, that's all I'm gonna say. But we'll we'll I'm single. We'll try to get one uh, soon enough. How about Monday, sir? It works for me. Monday is good for me. It looks like the SWAC TSU and PV are on the road in Alabama. Well, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. So that'll, that'll give so us an opportunity to talk about so we can do, talk about the weekend. We can do that uh, pretty pretty well. Um, let's talk about this. This is immediate history. Jessica Custer, Rice Gee. Isles, became the all-time leading score Wednesday night in a loss to Tulane. But go ahead, Walker. You and I are both there. Videos on both uh, 
his blog and my blog and YouTube channels. We'll get into that in a few moments. But go ahead. After finishing up with the the um, post game interview last night, I chased down the um, SID while they were <clears throat> while Tulane was headed back on the bus. Got a, a uh, was able to get a quote from uh, Coach Stockton, and this is what she had to say about Jessica Custer. She's just a dynamic player. She's played the point guard and played the five. She's played every position. I think while she's underrated is she's such a great leaper. You can't block her shot. That's one of the things we made a rule about today. You can't block her shot. You've got to challenge it. She can really do some things. She has a lot of pressure with this team and really came through. That three from the top of the key cut the margin, and that's just the player that she is. And that three references what, my friend KG? That three-point shot was the uh, shot. She set the record. Big so uh, she, the team needed it. They were down. Uh, it was really weird. It was 47-45 Tulane. <laughs> Tulane went on a 9-0 run to go up 11. Then I went on a 7-0 run to cut it to 4. And Custer made the three-point shot as part of that 7-0 run. And then with that bucket, she became the all-time leader in points at Rice, passing Pat Krieger. Record stood for 32 years, Wildcat. That's a long time. But now, to her credit... She just basically she does what she does every night, like Coach mentioned in post game. She shows up and goes play. She brings a lunch pail, sits it on the bench, and says, "Time to go to work." She and she, to her, also to her credit, she said point blank that the team did not practice well this week, had bad practices, and and she was not surprised at how poorly they played Wednesday night in the loss to Tulane. And Coach Williams agreed uh, in his post game interview as well. And both of those interviews are on my Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, as well as the Wildcats, the blog. Which address is, sir? It is AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Reporter, blogspot.com. So, congratulations to her. The Owls will try to break a three game losing streak Saturday afternoon at inside Tudor Fieldhouse versus Southern Miss. Difficult matchup for the Owls. Uh, Jessica Custer is the only owl player in double figures. So no one else is in double figures averaging. So she, she needs help. And I don't want to exclude Doc too much more, too much longer in this, but I was surprised that Coach Williams candor in two things he said last night. One, he did not do a, he did not do enough to get Jessica enough help throughout her four year career as an owl. Mm. And he also was critical, not necessarily critical, but he made a point in his disappointment is that not more fans came to see Jessica right. play in her time and tenure at Rice. Now, to his to his credit, that's not on him, that part of it. That's about marketing and somebody that wants to showcase your talent. And all three of us have witnessed what that does to women's sports here in this area, and we talk about it often. Yeah, we, we roll on it week in and week out, day in and day out, but it's true. Especially when you have talented players around that nobody shows up to come see and then until after the fact. Mind you, you know, on last season, you, uh, TSU had Coach Cooper, the embodiment of, of marketing and it get things got done. You know what I mean? Folks showed up. Win or lose, they were out here. But on the, uh, other end of Claiborne and on the other side of Main Street, that just doesn't happen. Uh, the only place that I see it right now on a consistent basis, I hate to say this, but it's HBU. That gym is packed every night. Women's, uh, women's or men's basketball. And both of the teams are struggling. They get a lot of student support. 
And, and that's the key. And and at the end of the day, they concerned about, you know, what's going on over there. And they love their Huskies. And to their credit, we're trying all this all these things in nicely. The HBU women beat Lamar this evening. On Our, the road in Beaumont, 76-66 to improve to four and five in the South of the Conference. That's a sweep. So uh, their Huskies now are eight and twelve overall and four and five in the Southland, and they just got a four. That is, they have three more games on the road for this part of this road trip. Next game will be Saturday afternoon in Huntsville versus Sam Houston State. So uh, we have something positive going on in women's basketball here in Houston, in addition to TSU. And Preview's won, what, four in a row now on women's side? Speaking of that, what's going on with that? You know, yeah. Doc, tell me, talk, to, talk to me, talk to me, I Doc. think she has the ladies playing much better. I also have to throw it's, out there that swag. I, I think, it, yeah, not only is the swag, but I think the teams that they play in the swag as well are the bottom Five. quarter of the swag. But she's doing what she's supposed to. When you have a chance to play teams that uh, you can beat, you need to beat them. And then you make your stance again when you come around to the team's uh, that are respectively at the top. For example, uh, when you tie in with you talked about Rice and a wonderful job um, they did is you have Janetta Hayes-Perry who's getting it done, uh, alum of Rice who's now coaching at Texas Southern U- University, uh, taking over for Cynthia Cooper, who I must say had a big game last night and doing pretty well out there at USC in terms of conference record, 7-1. She did have a tough loss now that what six and seven and two? Six, six and two, I think. Yeah. Six and two. Uh, stand corrected there. Uh, has a couple of wins over some top twenty-five teams. So first they had, year they coaching won, us. You would, it, the lady women of Troy had won six and zero before they got mashed by Stanford. Yeah, but on big like Monday, you, but still, it's kind of like UConn. That's, so, yeah. <laughs> that's a different level. She's not there yet at that first thing. But I think she did have a win over number twelve at top, oh, yeah, Colorado. She, she beat Colorado. She beat in Cal, top, California. So California, yeah. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a statement. But just to tie all that in, in terms of bringing everything home from Texas Southern University. They're now 99-6-1, going on a road trip, like you said, to the Alabama. So we'll be back in the house next week to get that down. It'll be interesting to see if they can take that next step. They're behind Southern, who they played close at home. It is 8-0, so the game and a half uh, behind there. But you had a head-to-head loss. So they're making moves and getting things done. So it's an interesting scenario, but it brings you back to the importance of Setting up some of these robbers, if you're talking about the marketing component and you have some young ladies doing some wonderful things like they're talking about doing, whether it's on the coaching side or on the playing side, you're going to have to help the marketing people in terms of being prepared to play some natural robbers that some people can get some uh, mustard in, get some muscle in in terms of following it and saying, all right, this is a natural thing that I can get behind and say, you know, we don't like you or, you know, in terms of a competitive uh, contest and, and and let me say this real quick doc excuse me for interrupting you but one of the things that wildcat and i have talked about for years on the men's side i don't see it being a problem on the women's side is a an h-town classic of some sort because obviously tsu and prairie view play in the swag they're gonna play each other twice a year at least twice a year but we have clamored for Rice to play TSU, Rice to play U of H, U of H to play TSU regularly, not just one time every in a blue moon. Um, my Houston Baptist is Division One again to right. play to play them. Ro- rotate them in and out. Rotate them in and out. You know. Well, I think uh, you put together the one that you think about it is, that's done really successful over the years is the one out of Philadelphia. The Big Five, yeah. The big that, five. that was what I. 
what I cited so, to them. Everything doesn't have to be something that you start over or create by yourself. You can model it after that and make it where it formats and fits in this area. But go back to your point that you're talking about of marketing uh, and understanding that, that it has to be a synergy between all those involved, the athletic directors, the marketing people, the coaches, and the players. And if you do that, then you can find some synergy of bringing the fans involved in terms of understanding that we're going to have to make some, create some uh, unique matchups such that it works. And I think the Big Five, Big Four, Big Six, whichever, how far you want to extend it, whether it's uh, Prairie View and maybe Sam Houston State in terms of just out the city or now just the Big Four, obviously in the city. Sure. Houston Baptist, Texas Southern, uh, Houston, and Rice. Make it work. Uh, take advantage of it, get some games, and do some unique things to get the fans out. It's It seems... Particular, one thing I'll add, particular mm-hmm. on the women's side, when you look at the difference in terms of, as now that I know about UConn, Stanford's, even Dukes or whatever, if you put it to that level, and what it would mean to try to build to that level, even Baylor outside this area, uh, of how you play that. The men's side... I think they should do it, but I think you would have some people that could find a way to argue against it, which I don't think makes much sense. But women's side, I think it's even little to no. You know, personally, because on the men's side, U of H alums look down on TSU. You know, but at the same time, TSU, I mean, excuse me, U of H scheduled other SWAC teams non-conference. So why are you scheduling Pine Bluff? Why are you scheduling Alcorn State? Why are you scheduling Grambling? Well, you can schedule TSU draw more people to see y'all play. Right. You know, and they were afraid because TSU almost beat U of H last year at Hawthorne. But it was 5,000 folks in Hawthorne. It was loud. It was rowdy. It was packed. Folks were buying concessions, drinks. It was a great atmosphere. And nobody got ugly. And nobody got ugly. Coach Davis said after the game he he was hoping to continue it. Coach Dickey said it was up to his AD. Well, clearly they didn't agree to do that again this year because it didn't happen, which is disappointing. But there's little things like that that seem to make too much sense. There it is. Or not to be done. But on women's side, it's like a no-brainer. You're trying to save money in terms of travel. You don't want to go travel out of state or go too far. you got three Division I teams here in in your city to play. And another thing I think is if you – a rising tide floats all boats. If everybody is good, starts getting good, you will start to keep some of those young ladies here in town. They're saying, wow, you know, my, my parents can see me, come see me play. My family can see me play. Right. I get out of the house, still get a good education, have family, friends and family, and still play well, graduate, and then accomplish what they want to do in, in your career afterwards. But it doesn't yeah. happen that way. It just seems to make too much sense. You have, you have this look on your face, Wildcat, like, I lost my damn mind. But So go ahead no. and enlighten, enlighten me. No. Because I saw a sign last night. I was walking up to the arena over at Rice. It was posted for a career day. Mm-hmm. One day affair. No, I take that back. Two, two day, day affair. Two day, 200 employees. And, and 200 employers plus will be on campus for a two day affair for employment opportunities. Folks. I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying it because it's, it's out there in black and white. Right. That's why folks go to rights. That's why they don't jump off the deep end and all and be concerned with down the road. They know if they 
put their nose to the grindstone, head down and keep going forward, opportunity would come to them. But at the same time, Rice is more focused, and Rice is a great academic group, we know that, but they're more focused on the academic side of it. Their athletics, they just completely ignore. If it ain't baseball, and this year football, they they ignore it. They don't they don't they don't care about it at all. They don't treat it. They don't they don't aspire to be like Stanford, to be good academically and athletically. And be like Vanderbilt. They just happy being brainiacs. And then uh well you know we play baseball in the spring, and other than that we don't really care. They can get a balance and get a good education and still draw people to come see you athletically and compete. You and I. Now, let me know, cut me off if this is off-record stuff, but one head coach over there is in trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You want to say his name? Not yet. Okay. But but but, but, but you can look around. You can figure give it me, out. Give me two weeks, and it's going to be all – everybody's situation in town will be out there. The 1st of March, everybody – come 12 midnight that morning, 1st of March, everybody's situation will be out and about. Because we all know what's coming. We all see what's happening in front of us. Two schools are getting ready to make changes, basketball wise. At least. Minimum. And that's, and that. And maybe even three. As a listener. And, 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 I, and I, I don't know yet. I'm, uh, I'm in the process of checking that out. But right now, two for sure. And if you're a fan of the podcast or follow the podcast, you can figure out who we're talking about without. Us naming names. We only got folders to visit so one school. Yeah, figure it out. You know, we, we can get into more detail. But personally, I know from alums and their struggles that U of A had in their Sunday loss to SMU. The alums are fed up with Coach Dickey. They're frustrated with his his questionable rotations, his questionable coaching tactics, his decision making, his his decision to not play chicken nose more than ten minutes Sunday, despite the fact chicken scored eight points in like four minutes in the first half and barely played in the second half. We talked in previous podcasts when the Cougs beat UConn in Hawthorne, they were without Daniel House and LJ Rose. I was injured and also J.J. Richardson. And you asked me, Walk, you asked me, what's what's different? And I said, point blank, the chemistry's better. They're playing defense. And in a way, you could tell the rotation got tighter. House, L.J. Rose weren't there. Guys knew they were going to play. Knew they were going to get consistent minutes. And they got it done. House and Rose have come back from injury. The rotation is now, once again, skewed. Matter of fact, that question came up in postgame. And it's, 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 person asked that question. Coach, first time I've seen that, uh, that starting five, what was that about? That was first question out. Couldn't answer it correctly. It was it wasn't a stammer. It was just sort of an explanation and explained it away. No real rhyme. No, or no, no real rhyme and reason. And they, Coach Dickey is trying to figure out. There's talent on this team. Not a great point guard play, which we we cited Go. before the nah. season began. That would still be an issue. Yeah. Um. But you have Tayshawn Thomas, Daniel House, and Chicken Knowles up front. There's got to be a way as a staff to figure out how to maximize the, the three of that them playing on the floor at the same time. Got to be a way to figure it out. Got to. And that is a problem. 
They're trying to juggle, make folks. I don't know what you're trying to do. Make folks happy, whatever. People are tweeting me during the game. Why? What, something wrong with Chicken? Is he hurt? Why? Why isn't he playing? And, and I, hey, I don't know. I ain't coach. You know, but the, the point guard spot, LJ Rose, is too slow a foot to keep up with the quickness of the point guards in the American. And I have a problem with defenses, especially at the guard spot. That's a pet peeve with me. When you instead of you running to get around in front, you running along with a guy, he goes up for a layup, and then you touch him and you foul him. If you'd have got your butt, he's dribbling now. You just running along, or if you just got your butt and put some, put a jet up your butt, take off down court, get to your spot where he's got to run over you, which happened a couple of times in that game. No guys getting cute. Lazy, fair defense. You know, and all of a sudden, instead of you being up by six or seven by fifteen points, now you're fighting to try and hold on, and then you still up end up losing the game. Guard play has been a question, and we, like you said, we've talked about this night in and night out, sitting up there and watching it. It's not good for the only eyes. It's just not. That brings you back to some of the guard play over here at Texas Southern with Ray Penn right. being out. Um, I, I've noticed that. I, that's, the other night was struggled. the other night was a proven factor. When Ray is out on the floor, for whatever reason, he's the only point guard that I saw the other night that understood how to pass inside from the wing. Everybody else, ball was either bouncing off the floor, Eric has got to bend down to get the ball, or he's got to jump up and go get it. You know, it, 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 yeah, he doesn't put him in a position to score. And, and plus, you get out of your rotation. Now you're with him hurt, instead of having your coming off the bench and getting some more play, right. now you have to deal with the fact that uh, you have a starter that is not used to starting. And playing the full 40 minutes instead of getting a breather. So, uh, I think it's fortunate that actually Texas Southern is sitting with the one loss, uh, only the Southern, and still finding a way of being, a, I mean, excuse me, two losses. They also lost to Jackson State on the road. Uh, I almost lost that Pine Bluff game. Uh, Maven came down to a last shot. Yeah. Yep. So, M1 ESPNU. Uh, this road yep. trip, in terms of them wanting to stick in the race, you asked the question early. Both Texas Southern women. And men get it done. I think the Texas Southern women are in a better position to possibly get it done, but they're chasing a uh, undefeated team in Southern right now that's playing some really good basketball. And I don't think the conference is that deep. So where will they get that other loss uh, outside of when Texas Southern travels down there to try to maybe even the season on the men's side? It's a little more difficult, a little more difficult in terms of the way Texas Southern's playing right now. The cohesion that you talked about in terms of U of H, you see a lot of that right here, but it's less about on the coaching decision than it is just about new players and them trying to find a way to play together. Plus, Texas Southern just doesn't play really good defense. Last yes. year, you had a team yes. that played, Very true. Good, played, good point. played defense, and, and they were able to uh, score a lot of uh, baskets off of their defensive play, easy baskets, fast break, turnover, layup, dunks. Right now, they're just not playing very good on the defensive side. Now, over the last two games, they seem to go to outside of their zone a little more, manning people up because uh, they just don't seem to play well with the principles. And I think it's about being new to each other, not really trusting one another. On the defensive side, you know the principles of the zone. You need to really have some trust in there. So I think he's called a little more man-to-man, -man, uh, which makes it easier on them in terms of not having to play in those principles. And I think they're doing a little better in terms of what they're doing. And so. 
Hit up Eric Murray uh, is now looking like he's not worried about catching fouls, blocking a little more, couple of more shots a game, which puts him in a better position on the defensive side. But I'm really intrigued about this road trip to Alabama's. For those that follow, you know, swag play is very tough when you get out in that area in terms of that. But uh, last thing I'll talk about to kind of sum this up as we move on is uh, last Monday uh, you had. Arkansas Pine Bluff, Texas Southern on the ESPN Network, and you also had Savannah State and Hampton. You had really three of the top ten teams in the poll on that game. So people that are into HBCU sports, well, you in hog heaven, I guess you would say, in terms of that. So very tough over there. Morgan State is making another statement. They did have a tough loss to North Carolina Central. But uh, uh, Bozeman has them playing well over there in Morgan State to kind of give you a, a, a wider view of HBCUs. In terms of the MEAC Division One programs doing well, another component I'd like to talk about that doesn't get a lot of love right here inside of Texas also is the Wiley Wildcats. Both the lady and the men's program are doing pretty well. The men hit a little bit of a tough roadblock, if you will, last week. They lost uh, two out of three games when they only had one loss early in the season, and that was Texas Southern when they came down here in that opener, but uh, doing pretty well there as the uh, Wiley Wildcats. But on the women's side, 18 and 2, 8 and 1 in conference race in the Red River Athletic Conference, the NIA conference right here, mainly with Texas schools. It includes St. Thomas right here in the Houston area to give them a little shout and a little love. You also have the Wiley Wildcats on the men's side. As I said, 14 and 4 and 6 and 3. Did take two tough losses, but they're bouncing back. They're a top five program in the poll, just like the women. Kind of give you a, a dynamic in terms of what's going on. Not just with the, a Division One program, but also some INIA program. Oh, right yeah. Got to get out. Got to get out. And that's, that's what we do here on the, the KG Fifth Wildcat and Doc podcast. And, Doc, go ahead and tell folks about how they can find you and get in touch with you, get some of your information that you share about HBCUs. Definitely appreciate that opportunity. Uh, you can find me on tspnsports.com. Uh, also, onadon.com. That's www.onidan.com. Uh, giving a top 10 broadcast of the mid-major and major divisions. And when I break it down, when we talk about the mid-majors like the Wiley schools, that's when you look at NIA Division One programs as well as NCAA Division Two, which is clamored or put together in a mid-major poll. And then in the major poll, you have the Division One programs when we talk about Texas Southern, Prairie View, and the like, uh, stretching out to Southern all the way back up into the MEAC when you look at schools like Howard, Morgan State, North Carolina A&T, as well as Savannah State, uh, FAMU for those, uh, as well as I throw out there, North Carolina Central, who uh, was number one in the poll, but they did have a loss, so that might change things next weekend. But you can find me on tspnsports.com, like I said, onadon.com, www.onidan.com, also on social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I put a lot of stuff on Instagram when I was traveling to Trinidad. You want to check some of those pictures out at the conference or trying to get it done, some things like that. Facebook, I'm on there. You'll see the top ten polls and just little questions I have during the games or during the week, whether it's on the college level. And that could be HBCUs, non-HBCU programs, BCS-type programs, as well as some of the pro games. Because while I have a focus on HBCUs, I cover it all. Doc, some of those photos sunsets the appreciate pre- you like that oh yeah man now i the, one of the foods that i got to talk about you know i travel 
I'm not the smallest guy around here, so y'all know I like to enjoy it. <laughs> Doc, hey, I'm trying that, to work that, out a little bit. Hey, I am in here in the, what, the kinesiology <laughs> program, so I like to try to make sure I'm not totally out of way. But you can tell. I like to enjoy myself. Hey, Doc, you, you and I need to, need to head over to, over to, uh, to the Lulings and what, what day just walking down and says, all right, sell up. <laughs> hey, I'll be right with you. You let me know if they have anything. So I was down there. They had this thing called Doubles, this little fried with meat uh, inside it. Oh, man. It, 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 then they had another one that's kind of like a burrito that's stuffed. And then they had bacon short where you actually have this dough that is Fried like a sapata bread, cut in half oh, on oh. the beach, and they fry a little shark uh, that is good, and you have this lettuce on it and everything. Oh, tomato! Uh, it, it was fabulous. Uh, how much? Curry, how many of did you have? I, I, I don't. We're being recorded right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my wife might look. I got tell you. I can understand what you did. I can understand. I can understand. I can understand. Well, well, I, Tell, tell, give tell me us that off the record. Yeah, tell us that off the record, Doc. That's fine. That's fine. No problem there. But I had, I will say this. I had my fair share. <laughs> Doc, I'm, 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 I, I had I, roti, a little pilaf. And so, man, it was, it was it was fabulous. But one thing I like to say when you travel and, you, and like to share a little bit as people hopefully have the opportunity to travel later and consider some things. One thing that was interesting that I learned about Trinidad that uh, didn't realize I obviously knew about the West Indies experience when you talk about East Indians in the area, obviously the Afro Trinidadians from Africa and the European experience because you drive on the left side of the road, those things. But it is the furthest Caribbean island. It's only seven miles from Venezuela. You could actually see Venezuela uh, off from the water. It's that close over. You can see it. Wow. They said, don't play with the Venezuela people. Don't don't decide to swim over the boat over there because they said they baby people don't play there. So wow. they have a good relationship with it, but they made it clear that yeah they tough over there in Venezuela. So that's a whole different ideology. But you also had the fact that um, great music, calypso, uh, enjoy the music component. But they're very rich. They're the richest in terms of the Caribbean countries over there. It's the second largest to Jamaica. But the reason that they have such a good finance. Situation because you have road construction everywhere, high rises, uh, roads in some parts of it look like Houston when you're driving through in terms of the roadways uh, coming out of there. But uh, they have the oil and gas, and the gas is natural gas. Um, so they service a lot of the Caribbean as well as some of the U.S. All right, uh, this evening the NBA announced the reserves for the uh, 2014 NBA All Star Game, yeah, which will take place in. New Orleans on the 16th of February. It's almost February. That's something. The reserves. Well, first, let me go with the uh, the starter that the fans voted. And people, media folks, complain about this. It's a fan vote. So what do you expect? Fans vote for they want to see playing the game. So if you got a problem with that, it, I mean, big deal. Change it. Change the rules. Um, <laughs> but the starters in the East, and it's just the front court and back court, so no, that's not necessarily a center. Which is really interesting. I'm, I'm getting outside. Yeah, yeah, I was going to, was going to ask you about that. Dwight Howard. I was going to ask you about that. Last year, and it was redone this year. Look, he has a center for. I got to. I pull up. It's on YouTube, but he's a parody of uh, when the league announced last year <laughs> that the uh, All Star voting was not going to include center positions. Dwight, the little parody videos on YouTube. The Rocks even maybe have on their website. Uh, center for centers, centers, something like that. <laughs> Basically, it's how, he's in centers how to become guards. You know, teaching big people how to become 
you know, how to dribble, how to do all that. I mean, it's a hilarious video, <laughs> you know, you know, would teach your kids how to become point guard because, you know. So it, have no love. You know, so it, it was it, it was hilarious, and the Rockets played a little modification of it at a recent home game, so it, it's, it's good to see that. But the starters <laughs> fan voted for Kyrie Irving, Cleveland Cavaliers. It's interesting because the Cavs record is horrible. Dwayne Wade, the Heat. Mr. Knees, who's sat out time this season with injuries, but fan, fans voted. LeBron James, leading vote getter, no surprise there. Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, two guards, three forwards. On the West, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, who hasn't played, you know, at all, hardly anything at all. And to his credit, though, Kobe did say that, uh, after the voting was announced, he was on TNT and said he doesn't deserve to be a a starter for the All-Star game. much more deserving players who actually played and competed and sweated and do all those things. He, he did say that. Kevin Durant, who's on an amazing tear. We're gonna t- I want you to talk about that later on. January, Blake Griffin, and Kevin Love of the Timberwolves. Those are the starters in the game. And today, this evening, the reserves were named on the East. Well, since we're talking H-Town, we're here, we're here in H-Town to give the uh, local flavor. James Harden and Dwight Howard were named reserves for the West to participate in the All-Star game on February 16th. Kudos to both of them. Their teammates are Marcus Aldridge, Damian Lillard, two Trailblazers, Tony Parker with the Spurs, and Chris Paul with the Clippers. And I assume Chris will be healthy enough and recover from his, from uh, I think his knee surgery in time for the All-Star game. Clippers winning in spite of uh, Chris Paul being absent. I think their last I saw maybe 6-2, 7-2 without Chris Paul. Go figure that. On the Doc, east side, Doc Rivers. DeMar, great coach. DeMar DeRozan with the Raptors. Paul Millsap with the Hawks. John Wall with the Wizards. Uh, Joe Johnson with the Brooklyn Nets. One center, lo and behold, on the east. Roy Hibbert from the Pacers. And Joakim Noah from the Bulls. So, it's a kind of diverse mix there. If there's any injuries, the commissioner will select a player. And that commissioner will be Adam Silver, who will take over, will take over, I think, officially February 1st, if not January 31st. And he named his deputy commissioner Mark Tatum, who looks like us, fellas. Number two in charge of the NBA will be a brother. And your reference is what? That's a good thing. How do you think? Deputy commissioner. Well, well I, I think it goes a long way in terms of the NBA um, having decided a long time ago, that they're going to open up the door. And so they have made progress. And I think it's uh, because we're so used to it in the NBA all and, and the time. I, it's, it's, we're, we're kind of not critical. But when you compare it to the other sports, I think it says a large statement about the NBA. And, and, and Mark Tatum is a graduate of Cornell and the Harvard Business School. So that we go to the Ivy League. So he's a sharp man. Uh, he's, he was Lloyd. the NBA's uh, executive VP of global marketing. That's why I first saw his name a few years ago, uh, in that in that role. So uh, kudos to him. But he's he worked for Clorox, Procter and Gamble, Pepsi, and Major League Baseball. So oh, he really? has experience. Real racial. So I think he'll do a good job there. He, he received kudos and high praise after it was leaked a few days ago that he was going to get the job. So big things there. The Rockets own the state of Texas right now. They beat the Mavs on Wednesday. Followed up after beating the Spurs. Um, so they're the best team in Texas until the playoffs start and see how they handle <laughs> uh, the half-court game. We're a few weeks away from a trading deadline. Uh, Donatus Moda Yunus said that he, a few weeks ago, he stated that he was supposed to be traded because he wasn't getting minutes. 
then Greg Smith got hurt, and of course Omir Isaac is still not back from his his health, his injuries. So and then Terrence Jones got the knee in the thigh, and Donatus got a chance to play, and he played well. So he's improved his trade value. I believe uh, Daryl Moore has made a trade, a trade trading the deadline like six years in a row. So something will be done by Daryl Moore uh, on the deadline, before the deadline. Now, my question is, will it be the, the right, not so much the right trade, but the what, or picking up the right need for what they are right now? Well, we'll you know, that depends. I mean, he's looking for, he's, he's asking for a lot. He's, you know, he's asking for a lot. Uh, Jeremy Lin played well. James Harden has missed the last two games. The Rockets still won without James Harden. So, Jeremy Lin played well. He started in place of Harden. So, a lot of buttons are a lot of buttons have been pressed right for them. They're playing better. They're scoring points. I mean, Rockets are an offensive machine. They're they are not a defensive stalwart. Fans know that. You guys know that. You know that Rockets aren't great defensively. And their game uh, on TNT on Thursday versus Oklahoma City Thunder, when they scored how many points in the first half? Seventy-two points in the first half. There you go. And then nineteen points in the second half. Yep. It was it was just it was hard to believe. It was really a sight to see. They were raining three pointers in the first half. They, I think they made twelve threes in the first half, and then made no threes in the second half. And Kevin Durant just carried the Thunder to the victory without Russell Westbrook. So I mean, Durant is he's averaging he scored what thirty straight thirty points in twelve straight games, which is spectacular. It is. He's on a literally a tear. Through this league, and it's the funny thing about watching him play is he gets a feel for what's going on in the first half. And when they said when they need points to finish the game, they all respect him to the point says get out the way, Mm. give it to him, and let him have it. And the most interesting thing about this run, no Westbrook. Yep. And folks hadn't figured it out. And then, and it's almost like you know Durant is going to get the ball with four or five minutes left to go in the game if they're behind, and he's going to find a way to get points one way or the other, get into the rotation, pass the ball around, and still get his shot off at the end of that before the shot clock goes off. It's just amazing to watch him just go to weave work. through and just and just take out a game. It's almost his basketball IQ is on another level right it's now. Off the chart. Ball helmet. And this is after they went into Miami, Miami Wednesday and thumped the Heat. I mean, it wasn't close, folks. After it being down early, too. Yep, being down early, and they came back and just cruised by the Heat. The Heat are struggling, you know, injuries, boredom. They're not as good as the Pacers. But go figure. The Pacers tonight lost at home to Phoenix, and I believe that's the Suns' second, second victory over, yeah. over Pacers. In the last week or so. And so that's a surprise. It's matchups. I think it's a matchup because I watched sh- the one earlier. Yeah, with, and with Gerald me. Green scored 16 points tonight uh, for the Suns versus uh, the Pacers. For 30, yeah, for 30, 30 yeah, other night. So Gerald's playing well. Uh, Ace Town product. The Pacers were down by 17 points after the first quarter, 36-19. And um, Phoenix, just their three-point shooting team, when, they, when the shots are falling, heck, the Knights only made eight of 17. So. It's matchups. They just give um, the Pacers problems, and Phoenix came out with the victory, and it will be the only team probably to beat, get two wins over the Pacers all season. So kudos, kudos to Jeff Hornacek and the job he's doing. The Pacers are twenty-eight and eighteen. I think they won. Wow. 
20 games last year. I don't know what it was, but it, they sure as hell won 20, 28 games. They're 28 right. and 18 right now. They're 13 11 on the road. So winning on the road in the NBA, you do that, you have a plus record on the road, you are a very good ball club. Uh, the Rockets have Cleveland, Kyrie Irving this Saturday at uh, Toyota Center. Then Wednesday, another home game. The Rockets only have three home games in February. One on February 1st, one on February 5th versus Phoenix. I won't be there. I'll be at Hoffines for Guy V. Lewis night as the Cougars play the Louisville Cardinals, the defending national champions. I think the game is ATM tip-off. We're hoping for a big crowd. I hope for a sellout. I don't know. I, I doubt that, but you know. You hoping for a lot, there, hope, young man. You know, I'm hoping for a big crowd, even if it's half. It ain't Christmas. Half uh, with the uh, Louisville Cardinal <laughs> fans, you know. But why can you bring up a good point? I mean, we, let's, let's be real. Fans are, are are apathetic, and but hopefully, because it's Guy V. Lewis night, fans will come out for nothing else to support Guy V. Lewis, Coach Lewis, everything he's meant to the university, to the city of Houston, to basketball. He's finally in the Hall of Fame. So hopefully everyone will come out and honor him, acknowledge him for everything he's contributed to basketball for us. You know about what I mean by us. Yep. So, and because of that, that's why his place in the Hall of Fame took so long. And I'm just gonna say it just like that because it's true. Folks won't. Yeah, folks, it's folks no question about out of, outside of us won't really touch on that, but it's true. The reason why he took so long getting to the Hall of Fame is because he. Was the first to integrate the South in and basketball with Don Chaney the, and Elvin Hayes. Instead of the quota, Coach Lewis says, "I'm going to give me a couple of basketball players, plain and simple." And whoever can play, that's what they come in here. They're going to put in uniform, going to be a scholarship, and nobody talks about it, you know, over there on campus. But I was told it was it was a struggle. So you know, guys were saying, you know, I'm not going to put up with this. Yep. I'm going to leave. He basically had to put his foot down. That's not good when a head a basketball coach has got to put his foot down in that kind of situation. But hey, he did it. Five Final Four, three NBA, three of the uh, three basketball players All, in the Hall of Fame. All time greats, top fifty, top fifty, Clyde, Akeem, and Elvin Hayes. So not bad. It's time. It's, it was well past all. time for him to, to be yeah. in the Hall of Fame. And I want to touch on this. We don't, we as in the members of the basketball committee, don't do this enough. Don't publicize the Gavi Lewis Award, which goes to the top boys high school basketball player in the greater Houston area. We have released our top 50 players watch list, which you can check out at the GaviLewis.org website. Awesome. Uh, the award ceremony will be uh, April 4th after Friday. Before the men's semifinals, uh, in Final Four, it will be at the Bayou City Event Center. Information for tickets and like that are on the website. Go to GuyVLewisAward.org. Check out the list. You see some names you recognize. I believe the McDonald's All-Americans were announced today. One of those young men is Justice Winslow, who is the son of Ricky Winslow, a Cougar. Justice going to Duke. Some folks have already told me Justin will be back in two, in town in two years, <laughs> but I don't know. About well, well you know what? I think what's going to happen to him is what happened to uh, Suleiman. He witnessed a practice rant by Coach K, and it woke him up. And a lot of people don't know what that means until you are actually there to witness it. 
the military. The, the, the military. That's right. The mil- West Point. Bobby Knight tutelage. Yep. Showed itself. And you either put up or you go pack your bags and catch the train home. And folks, the train is not direct like it used to be. It's worse than the bus now. But let me say, and you are true on that. I don't want to sidetrack off that, but you are very dumb. What you said, Rashid is playing better now because he was in a slump there for a long period. He's playing now. Duke's playing now, playing, playing better now. Uh, Coach K's brother passed away around Christmas, and it hit him you know, hard. And he, he admitted it. He lost focus in terms of coaching. Who wouldn't? You know, losing a close family member, close relative. Yeah. And so the team probably took a step back, lost some games that may or not have should have lost, but they're playing better now. Playing uh, better offensively and defensively. Defense is more important. Wildcat well, talked about how poor the Cougars' perimeter defense has been all season. Duke has been as bad, if not worse, especially to be on such an elite level. Trust me. Yeah. Their perimeter defense was crap. Abysmal. But April 4th is the Gavi Lewis Award Banquet. And where will we be, sir? I will be in Nashville. Thank you. I was waiting on that. I've been waiting to say it all evening, all We're podcast rolling out, long. Folks. We're rolling out. We're rolling out. Because Wildcat and myself, once again, have been approved uh, to be credentialed to uh, attend and cover the oh. Women's Final Four. thought we had to get you in the road, Yeah, I got to get on this. So, yeah, we, 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 we got to get, get you in the road, Casey. Yeah, Dr. Gaville to join us there. Matter of fact, I also had the uh, first and second round. Uh, College Station uh, has been already been approved. It's going, it's, it's, I haven't mean, I mean applied to it. I'm not sure I'm going to have time to go. So, well, you know, but you know, it's the Aggies. And thank you, for, thank you for the tie-in, sir. But the Aggies are hosting the first two rounds. You mean women? Yes, women's uh, first two rounds. But some outstanding news was here. We go announced a few. I think Monday of this week. <clears throat> and Doc, it's significant because it, of it is indeed significant. We may be able to close the podcast out with this news. We're going to. We're going to brag and glow in two horns as we discuss it. <laughs> because, Doc, let me tell you. Because it's, uh, it's finally somebody woke up. About time. Podcast, you know, listeners know that the Wildcat and I have touched on the Women's Final Four. Going on 12 years now. Going on, well, no, 14 years. Uh, Since 2000. For, for a while. And, you know, the. City previous year dropped the ball. Years ago, I tried to get U of H to host the regional, and the U of H administration did not want to partner with Baylor because they felt Baylor would get an unfair recruiting advantage. Mind you, this was before Baylor won the first national championship, so that that was the mindset I was in with, and the bid failed, obviously, because U of H can't, can't draw flies. And I was with Chandy Jones and Sancho, and they still couldn't didn't get the true well there. <clears throat> Then a few years later, try to bid once again, this time for the Final Four, for a presentation, bid failed. This time, this time, God bless people listening. The Wildcat has some people who he's... Let a woman talk uh, to another woman about business. I'm going to say it just gave like that. some advice to... It got NCAA corrected? announced uh, on Monday... The seven, was it seven? Seven finalists right. for the women's final four bid for 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. Dallas was one of those cities that made the final. Let me read you the others so I can find it. Really irrelevant. I just don't care about the other ones. 
But Columbus, Dallas, Nashville, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, and last but not least, Houston, Texas was chosen as a finalist. And the great thing, the beauty of this is. What's the add-on? What is the, the add-on? The beauty of this is. What is the, the add-on? The city of Houston and Texas A&M are partnering for the bid for the final four. Now. The city of Houston and Texas A&M. And college station. Yes. Yes. But folks may be wondering, final four is not going to be in college station, is it? KG? Nope. The but. bid was for Toyota Center to have the game. But the Aggies, you know, the, the committee, NCAA committee asked a, a school to be a host, conference representative, etc. And the Aggies stepped up to the plate because the city of Houston, uh, the Port Authority, Harris County local authority, asked the Aggies to, they realized, hey. to enhance the chances of getting a bid. Right. UT no has a ways to go yet. No offense to get no offense no offense against Rice and U of H. Well I have why some. not well we we do, but, I but to, why I'm not, not holding back now. The two thousand ten, I believe, national champion, Texas A M Aggies help us out. to help us out. Especially considering Coach Gary Blair has Strategic. said many, many, many times how he how the city of Houston, how Texas should host a final four besides San Antonio. So when the earlier in Monday the NCAA announced the finalists, they just said Houston was a finalist. Later that evening, the Aggies sent out a press release saying, "Oh no, 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 no! The city of Houston and the Aggies are the finalists for the for the uh, final four bidding." Beautiful. And I was thrilled to death. Now, with that being said, because it really increased the chances of a dream that Wildcat and I have of the final four being in Houston. So if it does happen, uh, the announcement should take place in November. If that happens, I may cry. Who knows what I may do? I may do some things that I may get arrested for. It. <laughs> who knows? You know, swing in front of yard arm on top of the Center. Who knows? I may just run around naked. I don't know what will happen. Who knows? I said I put out there for podcast. Don't do that. You know, but that's I how. know one thing for sure. I will scream, shout. At work, and not gonna care, and I may even cry, but it's one person that would know how hard I've worked in that building to make them understand that it's doable. And all it took was, don't be the smartest person in the room all the time. Listen, and when you get asked a specific question, answer that question specifically. That's all you got to do. And I go back to what I said earlier. Let a woman talk to another woman about business when you're trying to get business done. I don't care how folks feel about that, but that's what happened this time around. And it got done. And and, and that's all I wanted was an opportunity to get a shot because I still, but Chris and I, KJ and I, we still feel that this place it can get into the rotation. It doesn't have to always be San Antonio. And let me get some more details. Well said. Kudos, and you know I agree one hundred percent. I'm trying not to not to get mad and, and 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 stamp out. But this, I have a blog post about this. 
a little bit more details and some quotes from Coach Blair. I'm going to say one of them. I think it's a great quote. But to host an NCAA championship event, an NCAA member institution or conference must sign off as a co-host. The city of Houston asked Texas A&M to be a co-host for the 2017 through 2020 Women's Final Four bid process. If successful, the city of Houston and Harris County Houston Sports Authority will handle the business side of the bid, while Texas A&M will handle the competition and game management aspects of the bid. Huh? So that's how we got a real SID program coming in. I hate to say it like that, but that's being honest. Interesting because the, the current SID at A&M used to be at Rice, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Just say, that's throwing it out there. So, but Coach Blair. Hey, it's, it's just here. Just here. Said, at Texas A&M, we know how to compete for championships, and we know how to host championships. I look at it as a feather in the cap for Texas A&M and the city of Houston to be on the same team for the women's final four in quote. And to his to his point, the only thing that A&M has not hosted is a women's championship and a football BCS. That's the only two sports that they have not hosted national championships on that camp. One of them you really can't. Right, and it's got to be you got to be in we're relying. But now that they've gone to the other format, it doesn't matter anymore. You just got to have a building. And I tell you. A little, I had a little tear when I when I when that uh, I got that press release from the NC two A office. <laughs> it it was just oh man, you know I had to stop, look, and actually read it all the way through. But I was happy, and that's all that matters. I was happy. Let me ask you, what do you think is the chances that Houston? The footprint, the the footprint is better, transportation is better. And hotel space is better. And hotel space is getting better with the, the, the yeah, new hotel the being, to go up that, uh, should be built and completed by the time. And one of those uh, uh, lots that's, that's between either uh, the uh, uh, Hilton and the Emerson Suite. So you were thinking of me like a top three chance? No, yeah, I'd, I'd actually get him a, a real shot. shot. Um, the one thing that's, that's, that's was told to KJ and myself, the footprint of the Toyota Center in this area is a lot better this time around. And four cities, seven finalists, so three cities will be disappointed. I'll be surprised, clearly I'll be surprised if Dallas and Houston are awarded Final Four. I'm hoping for that. I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be, but, you know, I'd like, be kind of shocked, but one thing about it, Mark Cuban is Mark Cuban. And I'm going to just say it just like that. True. He is not afraid to, okay, Jerry, what did I need, what did I, what did I need to do? Jerry Jones was speaking of, what I need to do to get this done? Talk to this person, that person, that person, that person, bam. You know, that's, that's, because those two guys, they, 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 they stay in touch with each other yeah, on a regular basis yeah. now. But I don't want, to, I don't want to dump on the other finalists. I do. But Columbus, I'm close now. Columbus better not get a bit, oh. get a final four over Houston. Dude. I'm sorry, I just hey, I'm sorry, Columbus, but y'all Columbus, we're H town. Okay, <laughs> Pittsburgh, and I don't know, feel like going in the, in the cold weather. Ditto. Same thing, y'all football, y'all steel country. No, y'all should not get a bit over Houston. Sorry, but other ones, Tampa Bay, huh? it's hosted one. 
They'll have the second one again next year. We're, yeah. we're going to then. Nashville hosting this year. New Orleans is New Orleans. Yeah. So those three, I would not be shocked if they get it again, which leads you down to Houston and Dallas. Oh, and, uh, possibly. But it's all going to come down to the presentation later on this year. But without question, you know what I'm hoping the answer is. The announcement is made that Houston is chosen as the host for the Women's Final Four. I can sleep in my own bed. I don't have to worry about transportation. Things I could do. I mean, I can I can actually work late and and not care about you know, man. Got to get up, go to breakfast, go to this, that, and the other. It's not gonna be a strain, Doc. It's not gonna be a strain. So I can't wait. Listeners, cross your fingers, say some prayers that H Town is awarded uh, as chosen as a host of a Women's Final Four in the future. Why can folks find you, sir? We're gonna wrap it up here on a, on a positive note. Yes, uh, on several positive notes. One, the three of us are happy that we made it through the new year and we're headed into, uh, the second month of the year. February is coming on this weekend. Uh, you can find me online at kingsizeview.com, the online, uh, uh, edition of King Size View. I, uh, you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, and Blogger, AKSV, the CSR. Blogspot, YouTube, and Blogger. Folks, one, one last thing, and then I'm going to let it go to my two compadres. Prairie View A&M University is hosting the Invitational at the ITRC, a Hall of Fame experience in Arlington, Texas this weekend. At the International Training and Research Center at Six Flags Drive, uh, Prairie View and uh, A&M is the host. And from what I could see, as far as what they showed, was uh, that the top ten. No, I take that back. Some of the top twenty-five teams are coming into town to bowl at this event. And especially number, what is it, uh, number seven, which is Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, University of Maryland Eastern Shore. They won two championships back to back two years ago. Uh, top five SFA. And who else is it? Let's mention. Oh, and sixth ranked, uh, Nebraska. Folks, support. That's a big deal, and they also uh, just uh, announced that they were breaking ground on a retail center that will have a bowling alley in there. So they on campus? have done on campus, right off campus. Wow! So they're moving forward. That and that uh, program is really going uh, in the right direction in terms of that. But in terms of how you can follow me to get information such as that on a regular basis, you can go to tspnsports.com as well as onadon.com where I deliver a top 10 poll, mid-major and major division for both men's and women's. You can also follow me on the social media platform in terms of Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email me directly at kcavil at thg-agency.com. Again, that's k-c-a-v-i-l at thg-agency.com. And that's uh, everywhere I am in terms of uh, just my traditional work, professor here at Texas Southern University.
And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. Houston Round Ball Review is the Instagram name. It's also the YouTube channel. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review. I have, and I did not mention the U of H men's Connecticut score intentionally. And that's because of what it is. So it's still not going to mention it because of what it is going on right now. It's on CBS Sports Network. You want to look at it and, and see it. But it is what it is. Let's, let's put it like this. They're not winning. They're not winning. winning. Got to say it like that. Cool. They ain't winning. winning. But it's seriously, on a serious note, wrap up. And we probably need to do a better job of this throughout the podcast. Um, Wildcat, Doc, and myself are serious about sponsors, getting sponsors for the podcast in 2014 and beyond. We believe in what we do. We believe in the product. We believe in our, what we're sharing with the listeners. And um, I'm trying to make network, I'm network, networking and getting contacts. And I, I think we're getting closer to making it happen. Really hope to have some uh, sponsors in time for our trip to Nashville for those podcasts. We'll make that work. You can contact any of the three of us. Information, the prices are very reasonable. All total, we're reaching thousands of people combined, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. So we do have uh, many ways for people to get to, to listen to the podcast and to hear your company mentioned. And as a sponsor of these fine podcasts, we're getting better. I think we're getting better. In a short time, Doc has joined us and added his information and insight. We're re- receiving kudos from surprising areas of people who do who just who do who do listen to the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. We'll be I think we said we agreed on February third, correct? Monday, so we can talk about a few things. Uh, the uh, TSU and PV and, and Alabama schools and the Super Bowl. And oh, well, let's wrap it up right there, real quick. Who you got to win the big game? I'm rolling with Denver. Score? I really don't care about uh, score. This, no, you know, it's right now. Will it be close? No. For whatever reason, I'm just uh, somebody's just gonna break out. So you saying double digits? Yeah. Doc. Yes, I'll say it's close. 34-37. Favor of? I'm gonna go with Denver. Although I would like to see Seattle win, I think Denver's gonna get it done. Wow, that's really kind of scary. I guess I'm gonna make it a, a sweep. Make it unanimous. I'm wow. taking Denver as well. We, we had not, we hadn't talked about that. Here so, we go. So yeah. So well, I can't be on the same page with you guys. I, I'm gonna go 37-34. I'm gonna say Seattle. Okay, good. Because I would feel kind of uncomfortable. If all three of us would agree on that because that really would be a death nail. But that you know if that happened, so that's fine. We can talk about that as well in the next podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast. Spread the word. Retweet the links. Let's do it on iTunes. Let's do it on SoundCloud.com. That's growing as well. Let's do it on Facebook. We're getting closer and closer to our Facebook fan page for the podcast, so keep paying attention to that. As I always do, it to wrap it up. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.